0: I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Chris Krigler. Chris is the owner and founder of Cap Management. Working out of his living room, he saw Chuck Blakeman speak in 2007, offering a way to get off the treadmill, doing everything Crankset advised as part of the originals three to five. He moved from a stage two to a stage seven business in seven years. He still has an active role at Cap Management and with Crankset and loves talking with other business owners on how to grow their businesses.
1: Thank Welcome. You. That's a great introduction, I wonder who wrote that. <laughs> I don't know, uh,
0: this came from you. I love it.
1: I'll, I'll give a little more information. Yeah, do that. Of what an HOA management company yeah, does. Yeah, that helps. So we are city planners, city managers, parking authority, dog police, and most of all, mediators. <laughs> And bookkeepers. And bookkeepers. 60% of what we do is actually bookkeeping. So in terms of if you live in an HOA and you don't understand what we do, we take care of everything on the outside, nothing on the inside. So we'll take care of your roof, your sidewalk, your driveway, maybe sewer lines, um, grass, snow removal. But we're not going to take care of your kitchen sink. We're not going to take care of your toilet.
0: And pools, right? There's pools. Pools.
1: There are always pools. Some people have pools. Yeah, but if it's in your backyard, that's yours. <laughs> but if it's a community center with a pool, they yeah. might have um, yoga, wake workout rooms. So some HOAs are like many cities, and, and often we will have a number of employees in the concierge, in the mm-hmm. cleaning, and then in the facilities maintenance.
0: Wow. Okay. So my first question is always the same. What was your first job?
1: My first job was, well, a newspaper boy. <laughs> Love I was that. like eighth grade. I, love I think that. everybody had that. And they had this contest, you know, sell so many subscriptions and you can win a trip to Denmark. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like fun. So I just sold a bunch of subscriptions to the old ladies in my neighborhood and they loved <laughs> it. And I got a free trip.
0: It's <laughs> awesome. And you were here, did you grow up here in Denmark? Yeah, I
1: grew up in Arvada. Okay. So I'm local. I'm Welcome what? to all of you who have moved to Denver in yeah. the last 10, 15 years. We love There's you. at Thank least you. a million and a half of you. Thank
0: you for boosting <laughs> the economy. We really appreciate yes, it. Yes,
1: yes. And Denver's a great place to live. I grew up we in Golden. you. So, yeah. So we know.
0: Um, so I was looking at LinkedIn, and your background is in consumer health initiatives and councils.
1: So that was a part-time or, you know, kind of volunteer work. Oh,
0: okay. How did you get started in that?
1: You know, like anything else in life, it just sort of happens. <laughs> People just ask you to do stuff. I was at a fundraising event and I met the executive director of the Colorado Consumer Health Initiative. Oh. And their mission was to bring quality, affordable health care to all Coloradans. And so she asked me to join the board and I was on the board for like eight years. I was the treasurer, I was the chairman. Um, and, you know, the first step was, you know, with the Affordable Care Act, everybody had to get insurance. So mm-hmm. everybody is in the boat. And then, you know, there are like 10 things that had to be covered, like ambulatory services, which mm-hmm. didn't used to have to be covered, and maternity services, which used to be a pre-existing condition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got rid of yearly caps. So you might have had a one year, one million or two million yearly cap. And then if you had cancer or something, you blew through that in six months. Mm-hmm. And then they also used to have lifetime caps where the insurance companies could kick you off if over five years you'd spent a million or two million dollars, you were uninsurable. And so those things have changed, but it's not finished, but my role there has finished.
0: Mm, you're still working on it.
1: Oh, no, I'm not on the board anymore. I had turned off after eight years, and so. <laughs> That's probably um, plenty.
0: Um, so how did you get started in HOE management?
1: Well, like anything else in life, it just sort of happened. <laughs> I love that. I had an MBA and this guy's like, hey, I just got my MBA and this guy's like, hey, can you manage your HOA? And I'm like, I don't know anything about it. And he's like, you got an MBA, I'll teach you everything. <laughs>
0: Like the NBA is, yeah. yeah. Well, they say marginal but adequate. (laughs) I've never heard that, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I knew enough bookkeeping to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. I think we were talking (laughs) earlier. Most people do. Um, And you know, I was good at sales, and I liked people, and I was good at delegating and hiring people, and. You know, we've been slow and steady, but the crankset group, or three to five, Mm -hmm. if any of you are not aware of it, helped immensely in putting together the processes, procedures, the building blocks to grow a business.
0: That's really cool. So one of those, I'm actually going to hop around here a little bit. So one of those building blocks was finding your um, unique contribution or your vision mission um, and why. Um, How did you guys do that as a team?
1: That came late. Um, That came really late. And by that time, I had, you know, vice president of office and vice Mm -hmm. president of admin. And we wanted to do some team building because we were different people, you know, with different backgrounds. And the commonality we had was work. But we did a workshop on unique contribution, which kind of looked at character defects and your positive attributes Mm -hmm. and so what i found is that i'm very much about the team i love putting teams together i look at my hoas as part of my teams and the boards of directors and the homeowners Mm -hmm. there frank is all about innovation so our industry is the last to innovate because we're small companies don't write software for management companies Mm -hmm. and so you know As recently as three or four years ago, we were taking paper checks all around town and thousands of paper checks. (laughs) Now it's all done online and it's Mm -hmm. electronic funds transferred, but a lot of my competitors are still doing paper checks. We were looking at buying one management company that kept paper books written with ledgers. (laughs) It's amazing. So there's a lot of room for innovation. Mm -hmm in our industry. And so we have innovated as much as possible. And then John, who's my vice president of ops, he's all about service. Mm-hmm. And to him, service is being of help to the employees. A lot of it's training, organization. He has been a property manager. He doesn't manage our choice now, but he can see when somebody's like, I need some bids on this, or how do I structure the bid, or what's the RFP? He's really good at coming in and helping people. So I think our, you know, our top level teamwork innovation, service, serve us well. Mm-hmm. For the employees, I have the how. Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And with these that. were well on our way. So um, if you're honest and open-minded and willing to do something, then our relationship is really good. We've cool had thing. boards who are not honest and are not open-minded and are not willing, and those relationships sour quickly, and then we part ways. And then for the staff, I can say, hey, you know, when we're wrong, we promptly admit it, and then we do the next right thing because if i'm walking around the office we're always going to do something wrong we're always going to make That's a mistake. Fine. mistakes are good. You know even in accounting as you mm-hmm. know you oh, know yeah. they're expected to be right 100% of the time but nobody's right 100% no. of the time. But if you um, open if you admit it quickly and then do the next right thing everybody respects that.
0: Yeah. And I think and i always tell people like you can't learn if you're not making mistakes like yeah. you can't be 100 like how do you learn if you yeah. don't? Make I'm going back over here. So, what have been the greatest obstacles in growing cat management?
1: Here's here's something that I will say. So, you know, we're, it's always three bidders. Mm-hmm. We're going up against three management companies. And there's this um, feeling oh, we'll be the lowest bidder to get it. Well, I took the opposite. We're going to be the highest bidder for people who want to pay for the quality and the service. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we only get about 25, 30% of those HOAs that we bid because we want to work with the people who value our service and who're mm-hmm. willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. and we'll let the bottom feeders go to the crappy management companies.
0: <laughs> yeah, I send people to HR block all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like if you don't pay me, that's fine. Yeah. but so you're gonna you do get...
1: get what you pay for. And you actually do. quality is inexpensive and I tell homeowners this, I tell my boards this, you know, if you're gonna do concrete, do it four inches in your driveway with rebar. Mm-hmm. If you're, that's quality, and it's inexpensive because it'll last you 40 years. Mm-hmm. You could do it two inches with no rebar, and in six to eight months, do it, it starts cracking, mm-hmm. and you can do it again. But, you know, those are value calls. And so we live in a world of abundance, not a world of scarcity. Yes, right. If you live in a world of scarcity, you're afraid to spend the money on the extra two inches of concrete in the rebar. Right. And then you're stuck with having to redo it over and over again.
0: Because it's the rules of concrete. It's yeah. going to get hard. It's going to crack and nobody's going to steal it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so my and then as taught. soon as your trash truck has to pull up there one day or a moving truck or <laughs> the delivery guy for the dishwasher, <laughs> you're done.
0: Yeah. Right. It yeah. just goes over the, set the edge and you're done. So what have been your greatest successes in growing cat management?
1: You know, we've been slow and steady. And so I think that because I'm about teamwork, putting together – group of people who have stayed with us Mm -hmm. and i think you've all read good to great where he says um you know pay more than the average so they don't leave you for a dollar an hour give people complete freedom in how to do their job Mm -hmm. so my property managers are in the field 75 percent of the time and then let them become masters our industry has different levels of certification Mm -hmm. so i insist on them taking continuing ed classes and i think because of that um you know i've kept i've kept employees for years and decades and they stay for the culture also mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I haven't had to fire people. Because when people have seventy five percent of their time outside of the office, that might not be a good working environment for certain people. Mm-hmm. And so back to I'm sorry to keep talking about three to five in the crank side it's but fine. it's what we have in common. It's fine. You know, in the crank side, we have a strategic plan, which is your vision for yourself or your Mm. leadership team, Mm -hmm. your mission for the company. And then it's the 12 month, three month, one month to-do list. When you're done with the one month, you roll the three month into the one month and then do the 12 month. Mm -hmm. Well, we implemented this for all of our HOAs.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: So then I can go look at each property manager and see, okay, what are the projects going on here? And I can compare this month's strategic plan to one three months ago to see, okay, did these actually get done?
0: That's genius.
1: Yeah. So that worked well. And then we had um, you, know, you start out when you start any company. You start with the little guys, mm-hmm. you know, and you learn your ropes. We've had certain areas where we've jumped up to either to big, large HOAs, mm-hmm. or recently to high rises, and we dr- we started managing a high rise, knew nothing about it. But we did an, a massive process map because they had five employees, and we didn't know what they were doing, so we needed to figure this out. And so we came up with a way to run a high rise on a daily, weekly, monthly, mm-hmm. spring, summer, winter, fall, and then everything else fell in the as needed. And we put this on a huge poster board in the office so the homeowners who walked by could see, ah, this is what's going on every day. This okay, is what I'm this is what for. at spring, here's what we're doing. We're getting the lawn ready. We're <laughs> aerating. We're mm-hmm. turning on the sprinklers. So. Um, you know, thanks to crankset for that standardization.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and nothing's around a person; it's around a position. A so process. if that person live, mm-hmm. leaves, you can, you know, build hand for over. The position. Yeah. That's awesome. And then the strategic plan. If somebody comes in, well, here's what's going on. Here,
0: yeah. Here's our here's our bullet points. Yeah. Um, standardization is just huge to be able yeah. to and also people like feel like they can run the process instead of being lost yeah. all the time
1: uh, you know i'll throw this else out because our, i'm gen x but most of our staff now is millennials mm-hmm. and so what i found about them is they like that freedom you know they like to know that they can do it in the way that they feel they should do it mm-hmm. but then i have to provide them the structure of okay this is how we're going to you know the structure around which we're going to do our job. Mm-hmm. And so there's that accountability, mm-hmm. but it's not like overbearing where, okay, you need to be at the office at eight. you need to leave at right. 4:30, did you take your lunch at 11:30? Yeah. Run the process. Those days are gone.
0: Get the stuff done. Yeah. And that's and that's how we do it. So yeah. like all of our projects have to-do lists, like they just have check-off boxes and I whatever decisions you make like are like outside of that are your decisions. Like yeah. I trust you to like I need you this is what you have to do. But everything else is on you. Yeah. So. And it makes people like, oh, OK, I can do what I need to do in my own time. Yeah. And
1: that's the structure millennials need. And everybody needs. I need. <laughs> and everybody needs.
0: So. I'm a zennial, so yeah. I get both. Oh, that's a good it's word. It's like, uh, right. right there in the middle, those cuspers. Yep. The Oregon Trail generation. We have a lot uh-huh. of names, uh-huh. but they're just right there in the middle. So you spoke last week about firing your biggest client. Um, can you tell me about that and uh, how it changed your business?
1: Values, you know, comes down to values, and mm-hmm. our values are honesty, open-mindedness, mm-hmm. and willingness. And we had a board of directors, and this HOA made up 20% of our gross, who shared our values. Mm -hmm. And this HOA had three and a half million dollars of deferred maintenance, Mm -hmm. structural and mechanical. And so we got the engineers, you know, to come in and say, okay, this is how you fix it right. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. A high-rise HOA had four boilers. It only needed one, but because they didn't hire the engineer last time, they stuck in four, those four ran nonstop. And they're at the end of their useful life and continually going down. Well, now we have the engineering drawings where we could replace it with one boiler that would run at the appropriate efficiency that would have all the valves and mm. gears that would keep it at peak optimization and decrease their energy bills. But the homeowners who simply, you know, that I would say um, not an abundance, but a scarcity mindset, they're like, no, we can't afford to pay for this. You know, it was three and a half million dollars, which came down to about 15,000 a person, which mm-hmm. came to about $75 a month over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Just wouldn't, weren't willing to make that investment in their community. And so we got a board that ordered the stop to all the projects. You know, we had to do an intervention with our team and the board because. You know they didn't know how to manage people or lead people. They Mm -hmm. just knew how to give orders and follow people around. And finally, we said these guys don't fit our values, but they're twenty percent of our income, and (laughs) several people's jobs depend on this. Mm -hmm. And our fractional CFO said, "You know, listen, trust that if you open, if you get rid of this client, you'll open up space to have clients who do fit -hmm. your values." And so we gave them notice. And within a year, we'd replace that income with clients who do share our values.
0: That's much happier. And so I think
1: every owner has worked with a client that is just awful because they don't share your values. Mm -hmm. And even if you haven't gone through the exercise of defining what your values are, you, you have values and mm-hmm. you live by them and you know, you know them even if you haven't defined them. Mm-hmm. And you know when those are out of sync with the people that you're working with. That's and true. it doesn't mean the other people's values are bad. It's, just, it's just not, they don't align with yours. And so let them go find some, somebody who shares their values mm-hmm. while you go find somebody who shares your values. Yeah, it's a
0: better fit. Um, a friend of mine said the other day, every no is a yes. So if you say no, no to something, you're saying yes to something else, yeah. right? how true. Or every how true. yes is a no. Yep. Because you have to you only have so much bandwidth. Yeah. So that's awesome. So what is the easiest pe- way for people to find you?
1: On the web, www.cap, that's Charlie Alpha Papa. <laughs> Management spelled out com.
0: I love it. All right, so my final question for you is um, I'm actually just doing this one on the fly because We uh, last-minute did this podcast. I appreciate you coming. Happy to be here. Um, What is the one thing that you would suggest any new business owner do to grow their business?
1: Find a group of outside eyes. Um, they can be, you know, you start with your friends and your family, and that's who you talk to, but find a network of other people at the same level of business that you are, mm-hmm. not in your same industry, although sometimes that can help, but somebody to shoot ideas off of. Because, you know, saying I don't know can be really scary. Your spouse could leave you, your employees <laughs> could quit, but when you start a business, and even we've been in business 16 years now, there are a lot of times where I have to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so you need to find an outside, a network of outside eyes who can tell you, oh, you don't know in the similar situation. This is what I did. Mm-hmm. Or this is what I've seen other people yeah. do or, oh, hey, yeah,
0: because yeah. we don't know our blind spots too, I think a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you. That was quick and easy. I appreciate it. <laughs> Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast to be inspiring, helpful, and entertaining, please like and subscribe. This helps us grow the community and reach more people. If you're interested in learning more about this episode's guest or accessing any of the books or other resources mentioned in this episode, be sure to check out the description box below. Until next time, be abundant.